When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And we are live at the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I am Kevin. He is Scott. It is... We just went through this Tuesday, right? It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. I'm losing track of days. I don't know why. I have a, like a real job and stuff that I should know what day it is. It's Tuesday. We are after work. We are uh, recording here Tuesday, late afternoon, early evening. And we are going to talk about this Washington matchup here. The first, I mean, obviously the first real game of the season, if you want to say it that way for Michigan State. First real game of the season for Washington. We'll get to that as well. Uh, we will talk about a little bit of Washington background, some of the stuff that that we've seen through two weeks from them, and then obviously get to our matchups as well. Scott, I want to start with a a question for you. I, I guess first of all, have you been to Seattle before? No, Seattle's been on the short list for years, but yeah. it's just never made its way to the top of the list. So I if I offered you the hypothetical you could go you know long week Friday to Sunday you know Friday morning to Sunday long weekend centered around a college football game I'll give you this trip to Washington or I will give you any trip in the Big 10 so obviously you know, just discounting the the actual 2022 schedule in the hypothetical land where we have a road game at every Big Ten stadium, you could take Seattle or you could take any Big Ten trip. What and I get to like plan a whole trip around it. It's not just yeah, you know, like you're gonna arrive there early-ish on Friday. You're gonna have all Friday, all Saturday, all Sunday. You kind of get the the whole weekend. I mean, it'd be hard to beat Nebraska. That's a joke. Nebraska does have a great game day experience, but there's no world where I'd pick anything other than Seattle. No. Okay. Way. So I figured you would say that, and and I feel the same way. I would take Seattle. So part two, if I gave you two to one, you can take two Big Ten trips, like all expenses paid, the same same cost. Or the one trip to Seattle. It's a little two for one here. 
I mean, there's just not that many interesting destinations in the Big Ten outside of like there the are. actual game day. <laughs> and I'm on the East Coast, so I've 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 been I could I've already done like the Rutgers New York thing. Like, yeah, I could do Maryland and DC, but I've been to DC. Yeah, I'm going to Penn State. Everywhere west of there is like, I mean, Minneapolis. It's could college be cool. towns, right? Yeah, like... but I've been a lot of college towns. Like they have their own flavors for sure, but especially in the Big Ten, like similar vibes. And I get that. And I've never been to Seattle, and it has a lot to offer. So yeah, but the two get um... the two for one is interesting. I still I... think though, I think I'd take Seattle because like I can fund my own Big Ten trips most years like it's not that hard to plan a trip to columbus yeah how many times am i really gonna sit down and pull the trigger on seattle so then three for one jesus Kevin. is that is that the line <laughs> i mean fine i, I <laughs> okay. don't know there's a lot there's a lot building here uh <laughs> if you give me three free trips to the bit that's half our road schedule for a season like fine i'll give you i spent I spent my whole commute home thinking about this today. Do you know? Because, you know shameful? what's interesting though is you you mentioned that because I was thinking the same thing. Basically, the Big Ten, you have Northwestern, obviously in Greater Chicago, and I love Chicago. I've I've been to Chicago twenty five times, and I loved it every time. Um, and then you have Minnesota, which is right in Minneapolis, and then everything else is generally speaking just kind of small college towns that you would love to go to for a football game. But what else are you doing in Lincoln and Iowa city and West Lafayette and Bloomington and Columbus and East Lansing and Ann Arbor and Madison. I know Madison's the capital, but it's kind of the same deal as like Lansing, right? It's just, whereas the PAC 12 sneaky, interesting, like you have Scottsdale, LA San Francisco, Seattle, Salt Lake, Boulder. I mean, you are pretty loaded with like legit destinations for road trips over in the Pac-12. So I know they're a lot farther spread out, which, you know, for the the practical side of like, if you're a Pac-12 fan and you, you want to go schedule a, a weekend in Boulder for when you play Colorado or weekend in salt lake for when you go to to play utah it's a lot more of a commitment because you can't just drive there but lots of great destinations in the pack what do you mean you can't drive there we drove from east lansing to dallas oh. for a football game <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know i'll give you if you pay for two three maybe two home games because and i'm not even going to break this streak this year even though i'm coming back to michigan for a game i'm going to ann arbor for the michigan michigan state game i have not been to spartan stadium since i graduated yeah and i've been to rutgers i've been to penn state um been to some basketball games in madison square garden but I haven't been back to East Lansing and it kind of drives me crazy. Like I'm again, <laughs> I'm going to Penn state and I'm going to the big house and I'm still this year, not going to Spartan stadium. 
So you give me like three home games in a season, I'm probably going to take you up on that over going to Seattle. I yeah, man. I I was back. So we've kind of we've thought about doing so. This is like peek behind the curtain. Maybe next year we've thought about doing some kind of like pregame show because we we don't like the the current college football pregame show world and we are both like expat spartans i guess like you know neither of us are local to michigan anymore and it's it's hard for us to get back to games um but i went back last year for the nebraska game it was a night game and we met a bunch of people up at campus but my brother was in town and carl and i drove up to east lansing pretty early like we were up there by like 11 uh for a an eight o'clock kick right like we were there early so we were the first people of our tailgate group there so rather than kind of getting everything set up we we're like you know what let's uh you know we're we're pg-13 here let's roll something up and then let's just kind of let's just walk around you know and and just it was the first time in three years, I think, that I had been to a game and just walking around campus, all the at that point, it was all the kind of old family tailgates, you know, like the the people who have been in their spots for 50 years, for 20 years, for whatever. We're just walking around before we really got going. And it felt so good. It felt so good to be walking around your stomping ground in your areas. And I remember when we did this here and oh my God, I remember when we were so drunk and this guy fell into those bushes on the way to the stadium and we had to try, you know, like you just have these moments that just all come rushing back into the memory bank. So that, yeah, that is an interesting kind of, uh, dichotomy there between all right so we got to get we got to get a game for like next year we do like a standing room spartan tailgate uh we can link up with whoever is listening and is interested so mark your calendars for a nondescript weekend in 2023 (laughs) or 2024 or something we'll get it sorted out but if you are interested in a standing room spartans tailgate let us know maybe it'll be a little incentive to to get us off our ass and actually make some moves yeah. So let's uh let's actually get into uh into this game here heading over to Seattle but before we do obviously look um DraftKings guys like we're we're weeks into the football season and you're in your group chats and all your buddies are are having so much fun with their parlays and their over/unders and their points but just just go to DraftKings you can get $200 in free bets with a $5 bet on any football game. They're an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Everyone can experience now the thrill of the early win promotion. This Sunday, if you bet on an NFL team to win and your team it leads by 10 points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. To get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And again, pro tip, guys, if you haven't been doing this, late kicks, Saturday nights, you get the Raycon wireless earbuds, you get comfy, 
You get the football game going without bothering anybody else for that 1030 Hawaii kickoff. The Raycon everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. They are extremely comfortable. They give you eight hours of playtime, 32 hours of battery life at half the price of other premium audio brands. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews for their customizable sound profiles, their noise isolation, their awareness mode. Go to buyraycon.com today. Use code TPPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's TPPN15 at buyraycon.com. Score 15% off. One more time, that's buyraycon.com. Code TPPN15. So Washington, Michigan State makes the trip over to Seattle three time zones over. And if you saw the news today, uh, this just broke um, that I think it was Cal Halliday was talking about it that the players are going to bed in order to prepare for the West Coast time zone, Pacific time zone. Players are going to bed an hour early this week. Um, what do we think about this strategy, Scott? The- <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm chuckling. I just saw a tweet that Jim Harbaugh farted during his press conference. Oh, dear. Anyway, uh, there's your... Milk. <laughs> He's got to eat more nervous birds. Um, <laughs> anyway, I have never sleep banked, never banked my, not, not on purpose. I'm known for my sleep. I get a lot of high quality sleep and I'm not afraid to admit that it's kind of my superpower. I'll sleep anywhere for any amount of time. I love to sleep. It's not a problem. I don't have narcolepsy. I can stay awake. I just choose not to. <laughs> um, but Good clarification there <laughs> in terms of time zones, I have never intentionally been like, I'm going to bank sleep. Like, I, I mean, I know, I know like the daily deposits, you know, that whole thing, but my strategy was always like, get yourself acclimated to the time you're going to like, I went right. on my honeymoon earlier right. this year. Right. And I try to go to bed like real early the week before just kind of getting on that Italy time mm-hmm. and it didn't work, but that was my strategy. That's the logical move, right? Yeah. You're you're going to my brother lives in Arizona. I'm heading over to Arizona for the you know for a week. Couple days before I leave, let me just stay up a little later and try to wake up a little later, right? Just just kind of give myself a little. They're going total opposite mode here, so we'll see. I don't know. Science uh, can be many different things depending on how you interpret it, and uh, it looks like the coaching staff has interpreted it in the way that the banking of the sleep is the most effective way to, to do this. So we'll see if the guys are, are a little sluggish in the third quarter. Maybe we'll know why. Uh, hopefully this works though, but to get into this matchup here, we haven't played Washington since 1997. That was in the Aloha bowl over in Hawaii. Uh, we have three all time matchups. Uh, we are currently one and two in those matchups but again you know we haven't played those in a long time so really don't matter a whole lot washington as a program i mean they they took on a a relatively similar path to us in that kind of same time period right uh chris peterson comes in they make a run to a college football playoff and i feel like washington and michigan state are are in the brotherhood of that college football playoff trivia question. 
you know, where it's like, oh, people are complaining. It's, oh, it's the same four teams. And then, you know, you'll get hit with that question. Well, okay, name all the teams that have been in. You, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, LSU. And then there's always that couple for national people. They're like, oh, oh yeah, Michigan State was in that one. Oh, wasn't Washington was in that one year. You know, we're kind of tied together in that. Oh, my gosh, they were in a college football playoff. But And again, relatively recently, they were the year after us. They were 2016. And then Chris Peterson retires slash leaves. Jimmy Lake takes over. Absolute train wreck the last two years. In comes Kalen DeBoer, new head coach this year. He was uh, previously coaching over at Fresno State. And you'll see this as we kind of play this out a little bit more, but Washington went from defensive-minded head coach Jimmy Lake now to offensive-minded Kalen DeBoer. Uh, and Washington has started off this year 2-0, and basically blitzing through Kent State and Portland State uh, 45-20 to and 52-6, to respectively. So... Scott, I you know I know you spent some time watching a little bit of Washington and and reading up on them a little bit. What are some things you know before we get into the Michigan State side of it and the matchup side of it? Um, just some observations about what you've seen so far from Washington. Yeah, well, first of all, if you're texting your mom about the game, just be careful with that autocorrect. All right, because the first thing that sticks out, uh, Washington's quarterback is Michael Penix. <laughs> Uh, who familiar will be familiar to Michigan State fans, obviously coming from Indiana. He played us twice in 2019 and 2020, and both times had pretty good games. Yeah. Um, 2019, the offensive coordinator was drum roll, Washington's current head coach, Kalen DeBoer. So there's a lot of familiarity there. That is why Michael Penix transferred there, no surprise, and he's confirmed that. Um, he likes that system, he likes playing under this guy. And, uh, yeah, they've played us twice. Um, Michael Penix is, we talked about this, he's a little bit of a streaky quarterback, right? When he's hot, he's, he looks really good. Uh, when he's cold, he can really struggle. Now, the first talking point for me here as we get into this offense is that, one, they get the ball out quick most of the time. Two, they protect the pocket well so far. They've certainly not played a pass rush as talented as Michigan State's, but nonetheless. Some of these pockets he's been working with, man. I, again, it's bad teams. He's got all the, He can just cycle through his reads like yeah. three times over <laughs> if he wants to. So he's. they've looked good. They get the ball out quickly. So the first kind of point of emphasis for me, I know we said we wouldn't get into Michigan State right away. We'd try to talk about Washington, but I'm going to throw that script out the window. I'm a little nervous because our off- our defense is set up in a way that if they want to take what they can get, I think Michael Penix can take a whole first quarter and get really comfortable. He's because done that he before us again. Three-yard <laughs> hit right? outs, five-yard hitches, swing passes to the flat, whatever he wants in that short. You know, Even if we're coming up making tackles, Michael Penix can throw the ball 10, 12, 15 times to guys that are open, even if they're getting tackled right away, just to see the ball get caught. Um, so that pass rush is going to be really important. Um, and, and getting a four-man pass rush is going to be really important because we need our, our guys in coverage and available to tackle. Um, anyway, to bring it back to Michael Penix, he's a streaky guy. He's a lefty with a weird release, but when he gets hot, he can 
he can get hot and he's not going to crush you. You know, you're not playing CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, but he can distribute the ball really effectively and be an efficient quarterback when he's when he's comfortable. Michael Penix is uh, he's Jim Craig. You remember when uh, in Miracle where they're they're choosing the roster. It's like the first day of tryouts. And uh, the assistant coach looks over at Herb Brooks and he's, oh, you got Jim Craig backing up um, what was the the Minnesota goalie. And, you know, it's, it's the other way around. It's, well, his, his game's been off ever since his dad. Have you ever seen him when his game is on? And I feel like that's the Michael Penick story is like, if you have only watched him in his good games, you would think that this guy is a future Hall of Famer. Because when he is on, when he's hot, when he has time, he is he's accurate, he's mobile, he he's got the strong enough arm to to beat you 50, 60 yards over the top. Like he's got everything you need. When he's off, it doesn't look nearly as good. But he you just he's a guy you don't you really don't want to let him get comfortable because again, we're Michigan State fans. We've seen it up close and personal. We've seen this guy pick us apart. He's accurate. He's he's just not the guy that you want to let get into that rhythm, especially early in the game, because that will just build and build. And, is, and when he gets comfortable, and they've got some decent weapons there too. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I was kind of reading about this a little bit more. This will be an interesting test for the corners, but... Their receivers, that Jalen McMillan, Giles Jackson, they're bigger receivers, which is interesting. And again, you know, and with a pretty accurate quarterback, he's able to place the ball in in those kind of 50-50 situations, but able to place it in the right place that, you know, only my guy can get it kind of thing. That'll be interesting to follow. So Michael Penix, you know, streaky guy, but when he gets hot, he's hot. Got some good weapons around him with with this offense. Again, they've scored like 90-some points through two weeks. Bad opponents. But definitely something that that opens your eyes a little bit as you start dipping into this team. He's got 682 yards and six touchdowns through three ga- or through two games. Yeah, yeah. And you look at just to isolate his 2019 year because he was in the same system. He was a, a redshirt freshman in 2019 at Indiana. He threw for about 69%, pretty nice. Um, 1,400 passing. This is in six games. He was injured halfway through the season. He had 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, four picks, and a 157.6 passer rating for redshirt freshman. Uh, Redshirt sophomore year, similar story. Not the same offensive coordinator, but uh, played in six games. Percentage dropped a bit, but threw for 1,600 yards, 14 touchdowns, four picks. 2019 against Michigan State. Let's see if I lost my game log already. Of course I did. Uh, he threw four. Drum roll. Was this the game where he had 20 straight completions or 19 straight completions or whatever it was? I don't know if that was 19 or 20. He went 33 of 42, so that's 79 percent. 286 yards, three it was touchdowns. Probably that game. No picks. <laughs> we won that game, 42 to 33, but not. It was certainly in spite of um, they lost in spite of their offense. So he probably feels okay about playing Michigan State, especially in their home stadium and familiar territory. With, Uh, again, you mentioned it, the same, 
you know, his head coach was his offensive coordinator in those matchups where he played Michigan State. Yep. Um, you look at his receivers. You mentioned his receivers. Uh, so Jalen McMillan is probably their best receiver just at face value. He's got nine receptions for 214 yards and three touchdowns this year. He's uh, leads the team pretty comfortably. Yeah. yeah. He plays mostly in the slot, um, but he's 6'1, 180. So he's kind of similar to that prototypical mid size wide receiver we're used to seeing at Michigan State. And he plays it similar way. He's real shifty, runs really good routes, has great hands, and can make a guy miss after the catch. Um, Rome Odunze. Oh, yeah. Rome Odunze is their X receiver. So he's a bigger guy. He he was banged up last game, so they kept him out. But uh, reports look like he will be back for this game. So he's 6'3". He's a bigger guy. And if you go back and watch their uh, highlights against uh, who they play first, um, Kent State, Kent he State, looked the yeah. part. He, he looked really good. He had a great rapport with, um, with Penix and uh, generally was a matchup problem in that game. Didn't play last week. And then Giles Jackson's their smaller guy. Uh, he's returning kicks for them as well. You may remember the name. He came from, yeah, Michigan, from Michigan, transferred to Washington. Um, he's not a huge threat, but he's certainly competent, right? I mean, he's something you got, somebody you got to account for, and he can make plays in his own right. So uh, certainly a capable wide receiver core who will challenge our defense um, and, and certainly gives Michael Penix some really solid options. So, yeah, if you just look at the passing game for Washington, I'll summarize also their their offensive line in the passing game has done really well against bad competition. So there's I think it's more of a question mark than anything. I don't think you can draw any conclusions about it, but they have protected really well so far. Um, so by and large, passing game looks like a, a, a solid threat. They should score a couple touchdowns, at least based on good plays from their passing game. Um, now you project that against Michigan state's past defense. And speaking of question marks, we're going to get a good look at this defense against a, a good passing offense for the first time this year. And I'm not going to say we're going to do great or horrible. Um, I will say I'm excited, hesitantly excited to see how this supposedly improved secondary can do against a competent passing team. Yeah, and another um, just general observation from studying a bit of Washington is this is true, I guess, with a lot of the West Coast teams. I don't envy you. You got caught up on one there. I don't envy any like reporters or podcasters or, you know, with these teams, the names of these Samoan and Hawaiian guys that they're recruiting, man, it's. Wayne Taula Papa, uh, Alfonso Tuputala. We've got uh, what else do we have here? Uh, Cameron Sean Tumi Stout. <laughs> wow, Tuli. Oh man, I'm just gonna let Tuli Gasinoa. <laughs> yeah, we'll stop there. We got you get the Zion Tupula Fetui. Like <laughs> it's just up and down the fuck the the depth chart sorry <laughs> the freaking depth chart we try to make this a family program um it's crazy man i i don't envy the position of having to relearn and read 
pronounce all of these crazy names every year. Yeah, if we stay on that, makes you thankful you're in the Midwest. (laughs) The the play by play. This is something that always amazes me. I'll complain about commentators all the time if they if they stink, but having to memorize two rosters full of names every week. Yeah. And it's for some of these sports, it's more than once a week. And some of these commentators, right? You'll do like a Thursday night and then a Saturday game or something. Like they'll memorize the numbers and they'll fire off these names to almost for, perfect pronunciation. For a football game, you need what 55 guys ready to go, right? But you know, your your receivers are probably gonna rotate through three or four. You know, you you have 50 to 60 guys that you need ready you see the number you know the name immediately that's that's an impressive skill yeah yeah anyway what do you think of their passing game overall against our defense um worry meter confidence meter however (laughs) you want to take it like how are you feeling about that the worry meter is like a eight and it and it's bec- I I do feel better about our pass defense than I did last year. If you guys have been listening for a long time, you know that I've been defending our pass defense more than most, you know, throughout the last year or so. But it just seems like the type of offense and the type of quarterback that is pretty perfectly designed to exploit what we do poorly like it just seems like a quarterback who's really good at kind of finding that soft spot in the zone that we tend to allow right and it's it's a staff that seems to really scheme up those little pockets and that intermediate area pretty well and I just, especially again, I'll, I'll keep referencing this throughout the year, but especially without Darius snow to have that presence in the middle, in that short to intermediate area, you lose a pretty significant coverage guy there. So I'm pretty worried about that matchup for, for our past defense, for sure. Speaking of individual matchups, I am excited to see, a mere speed against a bigger guy in Roma Dunze. I mm-hmm. expect they'll be one-on-one pretty much all day, all night, uh, all day out there, I guess. On paper, it's a good matchup for us. And Jalen McMillan, so long as he is in the slot, should be the biggest test uh, Chester Kimbrough has seen since moving inside. So um, obviously two guys that have played pretty well in our secondary so far this season, um, and these will be tough matchups so um yeah i'm excited to see what they can do i'm hesitantly confident in them but again just like what we were talking about in the akron post game this scheme allows like you said certain pockets and certain routes to come open pretty much voluntarily and if you watch the highlights of washington so far this year Michael Penix is the kind of guy who just loves to sling it out to the sidelines within five to eight yards of the line of scrimmage, or he'll hit that honey pot in cover two. He'll hit that, that weak spot behind the flat in front of the uh, high safety. Now we don't play a whole lot of cover two, so I don't think that'll be as bad, 
But, you know, you remember some matchups from last year where certain guys, certain quarterbacks were just fine. Like that Western Kentucky game comes to mind where yeah. I don't remember the name of the receiver. Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi would take that that short kind of like seven-yard hitch over and over and over. And that, that receiver, whoever it was, had like 13 catches and 150 Tiffley, yards. I want to say. That. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So I'm, I think we're at risk of that. Now, that said, we have won games while allowing that. We, we have allowed a team to just take that all night. We didn't adjust. We just played our game, made our tackles, and let them slowly move down Shut the field. Shut down in the red zone. It's – I don't what know if it's Miami last year, right? Yeah. Like that was Charleston Rambo. Yeah. He had like 35 catches for 1,200 yards. But when they got to the red zone – it shortened up the field. Right. Those those soft spots weren't there, and we held them to field goals instead of touchdowns. And if you're confident in your offense to put up those points, you can play that game. That's fine. Last note on the kind of quarterback passing. Um, Michael Penix, not necessarily a full-on dual-threat guy. He's athletic enough. To, to make some plays with his legs, kind of like Peyton Thorne, right? Where like you're, they're not yeah. game planning around his legs, but if you're on like a third and long and you drop play. everyone into man coverage and the, the center opens up, he's more than willing to take it, scramble for a couple first downs. So I do think we'll probably get burned a couple times on plays like that this week, but he's not your Lamar Jackson or anything where he's intentionally breaking the pocket, scrambling, running all day. Yeah, and it, to finish off like their offense versus our defense, I man, I watched you know most of their first two games to to prepare for this. I didn't learn anything about their running game. I don't know if you took away anything significant. I mean, their lead back um, Taula Papa, he was running through the arm tackles that were presented to him by bad defense and bad tackling. The offensive line was able to open up holes against, you know, weaker front sevens. But again, like, I don't, I don't really know if I learned anything. And I know there's one thing in our defense I feel confident about, and it's our run defense. I think we'll be able to, you know, maybe not hold them to two yards a carry, but I, I don't think that that's how Washington's going to beat us. So. I don't want to totally skip over it, but at the same time, I I don't think the Washington run game is going to be anything that will decide the outcome of this football game. Yeah, I I did Wayne Taulapapa. Um, he looked competent. He made a couple cuts. He made a couple guys miss that weren't just open lanes and arm tackles. Um, but he's not gonna. He, he wasn't exploiting anything necessarily. He was just taking what was already available for the most part. Um, I expect if I'm Scotty Hazleton and Mel Tucker and I'm game planning the defense for this game, I'm saying first priority, make them one dimensional, shut down the run. It's, it's the low hanging fruit. You focus on getting your front six to stop the run and you make Michael Penix win the game. And second, you develop a pass rush on Penix because he has not seen pressure yet. And he looks great so far this year, but a lot of quarterbacks look great in a, in a clean pocket. So that's my priority. Stop the run, pressure Penix, hopefully with a four-man front. Hopefully you don't have to invest too much in the blitz. Um, 
that's my plan. And all in all, I think if you can do that, develop a decent pass rush, keep them under, let's say, four yards of carry, I think you're looking at mid-20s in terms of points. They're going to score. We're not going to shut them down. They have a competent offense and a solid offensive mind um, at head coach. But I think you can hold them under 30, which turns the question to the other side of the ball, their defense, our offense, how are we feeling about how many points we can, can we get to 30? That seems like kind of a decent barometer for this game. So Kevin, before we bring Michigan state offense into this conversation, did you learn anything about Washington's defense facing Kent state and Portland state? I did. There was one thing that I, that I confirmed. So one thing that I was curious about, um, just generally going into the season for Washington, you know, they're because I knew that they were on our schedule and I'm a big college football fan in general. You guys know this, but they were a team that I was kind of just a little bit more interested in going into the year. And there were some questions. Their defense was really good the last couple of years. Again, defensive minded head coach. They had a lot of draft pick. Levi Onwuzuriki was, uh, you know, he's heading to Detroit. He headed to Detroit. He's um, currently a defensive tackle. Their early second round pick. They've had a lot of defensive players drafted the last couple of years. They had two first round picks, two second round picks, a third, and two fifths in the last two drafts. So I was curious how how do they replace all of that? The biggest thing for me when you target they had in this past offseason they lost a first round and a second round corner the year before they lost a third and a fifth round corner and when you lose four guys in two offseasons that are that good washington is a good football program they're not alabama georgia clemson etc they're not going to just plug and play the next first, second, third round pick at corner. That's really hard to hit on all of those guys when you recruit at the level that Washington does, which is similar to Michigan State, right? And again, we had Darquez Denard and then Trey Waynes and then uh, Justin Lane, but that that pipeline just, it's impossible to continue it at that high of a level. And so what I saw the first couple weeks and I was curious about, I saw some receivers running open and I saw some quarterbacks who weren't able to hit some of those throws. And I saw a Washington pass rush to give them credit that didn't necessarily give those quarterbacks time to make those throws down the field. But I think the Washington defensive backs are not very good. And I also know, because I was listening to some Washington uh, podcasts today, I also know that they are not deep at all. So just, you're never rooting for injuries. I I don't want anybody to root for injuries, even on the opposing team. But keep an eye out for that, too. I think the starting group is not that good. But from listening to the podcast, if any of those starters go down, even just kind of get banged up for a few plays... Look for Jay Johnson and and Peyton Thorne to dial something up and target whoever comes into the game. Because I could tell you from their side, 
they are not confident in uh, in the depth pieces there. But just a general note, I think the Washington pass defense from a coverage standpoint is not very good. So look for some explosive plays from, from Coleman, from Reed, from Mosley. I think there's going to be some opportunities there. So I didn't feel like I got a great gauge on this defense for obvious reasons that the talent levels against them were were limited. A couple anecdotal notes. Against Kent State, there were a couple catches, touchdown catches by yep. Kent State, uh, where they just burned their corners. Um, and we know with the way that Jay Johnson likes to call plays that we're going to try to find our chances to throw 30, 40, 50 yard shots uh, in one on one matchups on the outside. They had, and we should have the athletes to take advantage of that. They had a couple that worked, and they had another thing. I mean, with a competent, good quarterback, they could have had probably five like 30 plus yard chunk plays in the passing game yeah so that hopefully will still be available uh if we're just looking at what's happened already this year um that's one area that i'm circling on game film if i'm jay johnson and i'm i'm putting probably at least one shot per drive directly at those matchups to see if they're if that really is a consistent problem for them the other thing that stuck out to me, there was some missed tackling, and those teams weren't good enough to consistently exploit that. Uh, but when ball carriers got to the second level or they were running after the catch, their linebackers and secondary sometimes struggled to get guys to the ground. And when you have a couple of hard to tackle guys like Jalen Berger and Jarek Broussard on the other side of the ball, carrying the ball. I think that's an area that we can look to exploit. Um, by and large, the statistics don't look bad for their defense, but again, Kent state and Portland state, they, they better not look good. Um, so there's it's it's untested the, the competition levels are low but i think there's room to be optimistic and there's i think there's certainly reason to believe you're going to be facing a much a less capable defense than what we saw from washington last year washington last year speaking of similarities to previous um, michigan state regimes you think about those last couple teams under d'antonio like the red box bowl team where like nobody could put 20 points on the team but we also couldn't score 10 points. Yeah. Um, that was a similar storyline to last year. This year, maybe it's the change in philosophy from the head coach or the personnel or whatever. I think this defense, this offense is now the strength of this Washington team. So the over-under on this one, according to ESPN, I should have got DraftKings. Forgive me, DraftKings. Um, the over-under on ESPN is listed at 56 and a half. I just hit it like, 30 minutes ago at 56 and a half, I hit the over. Yeah. So, you know, I, I had previously said, I think Washington, if our defense can hold up is looking at mid twenties, right? 24, 27, something like that, which would put us at 30, 35, somewhere in that range. Um, that seems reasonable. Now that the scary part is the fact that Washington's minus three and a half right now, which seems crazy crazy to me and 
you know what? So I put this out on Twitter because I I was fascinated by that because early in the off season, not not super early, but at, at a certain point in every off season, the sports books will come out with a list of fifty to a hundred games. Alabama, Auburn, Ohio State, Michigan, and and so down and down the line, Michigan State, Washington, and the off season line before any football was played this year was Michigan State minus four. I remember seeing it, and now Washington is a three point favorite, three and a half. I even saw so because of what we saw in weeks one and two where Washington played Kent State and Portland State, and Michigan State played Western Michigan and Akron, that line has moved by a touchdown from Michigan State being favored by over a field goal to now Washington being favored by over a field goal. And I can't make any sense of that. Is it because the bookmakers thought that Washington's offense was going to suck? And now they realize, like, whoa, Washington's offense is actually pretty good. These teams are about equal now in our eyes. And, you know, the three points is is just the home field advantage. And I, I put it out on Twitter. And, of course, a bunch of people responding, well, have you seen Michigan State's record on the road in, in West Coast games? Like, yeah, and I'm sure Vegas did too when they set that line in June. Like that was that was no mystery to them. So it has to be something that we saw on the field in the first two weeks that caused them to flip this game by an entire touchdown. And I I don't know what it is. I don't know what you could gather from two weeks against two cupcake teams by both opponents. To, to have that much conviction to flip it all the way from this team favored by over a field goal to this team favored by over a field goal. That's a huge swing. Which brings me to my last key of the game and something that MSU media has been talking about relentlessly this week, Peyton Thorne. One of the theories yeah. is that, well, Peyton Thorne doesn't look good. And if he's not playing well on the road and it, the hostile environment, how much is that going to impact this team? Interestingly, ESPN's football power index has Michigan State at 53.4% chance to win to Washington's 46.6. So if you're an FPI believer, I'm we're pretty sure favored. they also had Texas A&M as like the number two team in the country. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they were a 99% chance to win against App State, but um, as I'm looking at the page, figured I'd throw that in there. Um, Peyton Thorne is the crux of this game. If Peyton Thorne comes out and continues to struggle with the same struggles we've seen the first two weeks, which were not catastrophic, but were frustrating, I don't think we win this game. I think the difference between playing at home and playing on the road and the difference in talent level means if we see the same Peyton Thorne, we lose. If he can find even a middle ground between what we saw previously this year and what we saw last year. I don't think we need last year with Peyton Thorne to stay in this game. If we, if he gets halfway back, right, he hits one or two of those deep balls he's been missing so far this year. I think at least it's a pick Um, If we get last year's Peyton Thorne, I think we win 
I don't want to say we, I mean, we're not going to blow them out. I do not think we're going to go to Washington and blow them out. Um, I also didn't like think a, that about Miami last year, but a touchdown to 10 point, like a, a comfortable, relatively right. comfortable win. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I do think Peyton Thorne is the difference in this game, um, which makes it really hard to predict because it pretty much just comes down to like how many tweaks yeah. can he make this week and how effective <laughs> are they going to be? But I do think, I mean, quarterback's an important enough position, especially in the offense that we play and in the way that Washington plays defense. Um, if we have to rely on the run, I think Washington has a chance to make it a bad day for us because their front line is, should be the strength of this defense. Um, so Peyton Thorne, for me, that's the biggest key to this game is how, how, does, how does Peyton Thorne look? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you 100% because I, I think, and I took the over because I, I do think of all the things that Peyton Thorne does the thing that he has been most consistent in is that he is a good deep ball thrower. The intermediate stuff has been really challenging for him. And to be fair to him, the intermediate stuff is by far the most difficult part of being a quarterback. You know, the, the short stuff is easy. You know, anybody will tell you that. The deep stuff is a lot easier than I think sometimes people make it out to be. You have a bigger margin for error if right. you know how to throw deep balls. That intermediate stuff is really tricky. But again, I, I mean, the last two weeks, he's struggled with that a lot. You know, more than just, you know, hey, every quarterback, it's tough. So if you do get Peyton Thorne, who at least is still comfortable with the deep shots, is still going to hit those guys in stride downfield, is still going to give his guys a chance over the top, and is going to consistently hit those short throws. I think that'll be enough. If he can, again, if he can hit those intermediate holes that you know he hasn't been hitting the last two weeks, then it's, you know, we're to the moon. And if he absolutely just bombs that area, the field throws two interceptions, this game could get ugly. So I no, I'm with you there. I think, you know, as cliche as it is, it all comes down to the quarterback. You know, I I hate being that quote unquote analyst, but I think this game that that sentiment is as true as it ever is in a football game. If Peyton Thorne struggles, we're not going to win this game. If Peyton Thorne excels, we're going to win this game. Not like a, uh, you know, I think it will give us a good shot. No, I think it's it's a black and white proposition this week. We'll have to come back to this. We don't usually put the uh, the line in the sand that strongly, but no, but I, I do it. think it's a black and white thing. This, I, it, if you have a good Peyton Thorne game, we win. If you have a bad th- Peyton Thorne game, we lose. I think especially because it's on the road, right yeah. on the road. You have to rely on your leaders to be the best players on the field and to really steady the ship. When things get shaky, you make a bad play, the crowd gets into it. Can we rely on Peyton Thorne to just settle things down, make the right reads, make the right throws, and be consistent? Um, Yeah, so overall, we're not going to ask for a, a prediction. That's for our Picks podcast later this week, Kevin. But just general confidence meter for the whole team, the whole game, Zero being like, no way we're going to lose by 40. 10 being like, hell yeah, we're going to win by 30. Where you at? I feel like this is lame, but... Uh, five. 
No, uh, higher than that for sure. I'm between a seven and an eight, and I don't want to go seven and a half. I'll go eight. I'll I won't go any halves. I'll 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 make a statement. I I do think that Peyton Thorne is a better quarterback than he has been the last two weeks. I just we've all seen it. We know it's there, and maybe the road trip will be good for him. You know, like maybe sometimes that there is like, you know, I know it's easier to play at home, but maybe there's just the pressure of playing at home and in front of your fans who you can feel that kind of tension when you make a bad throw. When you're on the road, it's just you and your guys, right? It's you and the locker room. And of course, there are going to be Spartan fans there. But when you go into a road game, you're not thinking about the Spartan fans that are there. You go into the locker room and you say, hey, it's it's only us. You know, everybody out there is against us. It's us in this locker room, in this huddle. And maybe that's good for him. I don't know. But um, I, I just think he's he's a better quarterback than we've seen the last two weeks. And again, if he plays good, we're going to win this game. So I, I'm sitting at like an eight because I, I do think that the pass rush is going to be a big impact in this game. Penix has looked great through two games, but he also has had, I, I can't emphasize this enough, the cleanest of clean pockets that you could possibly imagine a quarterback having. I posted a couple pictures on Twitter if you haven't seen those, but I mean, we're talking like he has four yards of space in a circumference around him. Yeah, like, it's literally, <laughs> it's like two parking spaces of wide open space. Truly remarkable. And he is not going to have that when Jacob Slade and Simeon Barrow and Maverick Hansen are bull rushing him up the up the middle, but then he's not able to step up into the pocket because of them. But that if he hangs back in the pocket, Jacoby Winman's coming around the edge. I think we're going to give him a li- enough fits to cause a turnover, to cause a couple turnovers, and and uh, and pull this one out. I I feel relatively comfortable. Set it at like an eight. It's not at a ten, but it's it's much higher than a than a five. I'll be the uh, token pessimist this time, um, just for some parody. I do. If I'm being honest, though, I think I'm at like a six. I'm I'm a little more than like halfway. I feel like we're gonna win this game. I feel like we're the better team. I feel like on paper we should win this game. Uh, Vegas be damned. The but, biggest thing is stinky, dude. That, that I know. <laughs> because how many times, man, how many times you see a line like this and you're like, yeah, but I I know better, you know? Yeah, but yeah, I watch a lot of football. And then like, oh, there it is. And um, and for all the people out there, look, Vegas is wrong sometimes. I You do see some of the people, well, Vegas is never wrong. And they, it's like, well, sometimes they are. I mean, it, <laughs> there are sports bettors who hit like 50% of the time. I mean, last year, uh, Michigan state, when they went down to Miami, it, actually, this has been really fun. This season has the non conference is so similar. You've got like the, not quite a cupcake cupcake to open. And then you've got like the mega cupcake week two at home. And then you get the, eh, maybe tough, but what are they kind of road game power five road game, right? Miami, uh, Miami was ranked 24th last year. They were a six and a half point favorite uh, against Michigan state last year. when we went down to hard rock stadium and to be fair, that game was closer than the final score. It spiraled yeah. bad in the last five minutes for Miami. 
but we won that game. I mean, it was, we didn't get lucky. Like even prior to it spiraling, we were clearly starting to take, we were clearly going to win either way. It was just Um, by how much Vegas in the fourth quarter. But last year, I feel like last year's Michigan state was similar to this year's Washington. They've got a new coach. They look pretty good through two weeks, but nobody really wants to trust it yet because they haven't really played anyone. So kind of competing storylines, competing influences, but Overall, I do think uh, Michigan State has taken enough of a step forward this year in terms of overall talent, in terms of depth. Um, I think the culture's really sunk in, so I, I do think this team is is well equipped to handle adversity, to handle digging itself out of tough road situations. Uh, we showed that last year, so I think put me out of six, but it's all about the first quarter for me here, right? Especially when you're on the road, you have to come out strong. You have to get Michael Penix thinking instead of just playing well on instinct. You have to get Peyton Thorne comfortable and uh, the rest should take care of itself. But that first quarter is so important. And of course, take care of the ball. We've done a great job so far this year, at causing turnovers, done a pretty good job avoiding turnovers. Got to keep that up. Yeah. Road game, West coast, not the time to, to be foolish and start messing around with the, the turnover game. So I think that's, uh, that's about it. We will get to the picks again on Friday. If you are in the run your pool, if you're not, I mean, the, the links are out there. If you want to join, you can feel free. Um, the prize still to be determined, but there will be a good prize. Uh, we're, we're working on some potential stuff on the back end. If that doesn't go through, um, we'll let you know probably by next week for sure what exactly that prize is. It'll be something good. It's something definitely worth fighting for. So um, if you are a member of the Run Your Pool Picks contest, the, the slate is up. So your reminder, go make those picks. We've got Oklahoma, Nebraska. We've got uh, the first game without Scott Frost. Oregon, BYU, Penn State, Auburn, uh, A&M, Miami. Not a great slate on paper, but again, you know, if you're a college football fan, you know exactly what that means. There's some chaos coming. Um, so, yeah, that, that's about it. We'll see you guys Friday for the Picks podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Standing Room MSU, and at Spartan Martin 18. Go join the Facebook group. That's the Standing Room Spartans community on Facebook. Those links are all in the episode notes. And uh, if you don't have any sort of social media, you can uh, send us an email too, standingroomspartans at gmail.com. Just say what's up, say hello, ask us a question, whatever you want. But yeah, we'll see you guys Friday. Until then, go green, go white. Take care, folks.